Hello and welcome to Star Wars TV Talk, a fan podcast from a galaxy far, far away, covering all things surrounding the upcoming live-action Star Wars television series. Are the people gonna die? In this episode, we are going to cover the news and give our overall expectations of this new series. And with me is my bounty hunter of a co-host, John Murray. John, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Ready to talk some Star Wars. And with us for this launching episode is the Jedi Master himself of TV Talks, Mr. Bo York. Bo, how are you, man? I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to be here, man. I was going to say bounty hunters. We don't need this scum yet. But as a Jedi, <laughs> I'm not British. Well, unless I'm Obi-Wan. But we'll get into all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, so we are very pleased to have you, Mr. York. Um, and super excited about all things Star Wars, but specifically this live action. And so let's go ahead and get right into the news. <clears throat> we have Disney, the Goliath of a company that's purchasing everything related to movies and television, it seems. It has announced a streaming service. And with this streaming service, they announced that it will be cheaper than Netflix and in 2018. So how do you feel about the service? And do you think that Star Wars live action series will premiere with this service? John, what do you think? Uh, Was it 2018 that it's launching or 2019? From what I heard, it's kind of loose. It's not a specific date. Um, I would assume that it would launch early 2019. Okay. Um, I may have my dates off. I thought that Bob Iger in a um, earnings call had said that they were committed to launching before the end of 19. So it could be earlier than that, but I think that's kind of their far end of their their launch strategy uh one way or another we're getting it you know sometime within the next year or so yeah yeah and do you think that uh star wars a live action series will premiere with the streaming service uh i don't know if it will premiere with it i have a feeling it'll obviously show up fairly soon afterwards because it's already in pre-production. Most of the scripts are already written. We know that it's going full steam ahead. So it's going to be happening very soon. Uh, but who's to say how that's going to line up with the launch plans for the streaming service. Disney has such a big back catalog of other properties that they could start sort of like trickling into the service to help ramp it up, uh, you know, stress test it, load test to make sure that it's, it's really rock solid before they drop kind of one of their crown jewel shows onto it. So, you know, it's anyone's guess what their strategy is, but it's coming soon. <laughs> hey, you tell me that I'll be paying a cheaper price for this and it's going to have something Star Wars on it. I'm all for it. What about you, Bo? Um, yeah, I mean, like I, I it's there's no doubt that this new series is going to be a pretty significant carrot along with that service, whether or not right. it's at launch is. You know, I mean, as as yet to be seen, I I would also be surprised if it was out that quickly, but you never know. I mean, Disney has been turning out Star Wars product and content uh, fairly quickly in this modern era of Star Wars entertainment. Um, But, you know, we're we're entering into a unique time in uh, TV consumption and the way that shows are divvied up amongst streaming services and, and such. You know, we. We've kind of officially, I, th- I think officially, if, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say that we've officially left kind of the two service system of Hulu and Netflix owning 
uh, streaming TV. And now we've got Amazon Prime that's been in the mix. And we've seen from uh, various groups their own kind of unique services um, that are also morphing, evolving. You know, I I'm, I'm follow a lot of what's going on with like the, you know, the DC TV world and, and all the DC comics properties coming to screen. And of course now DC has its own, you know, Warner brothers and DC have their own like DC TV stream service, a superhero uh, service of its own. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting at the end of the day. I'm wondering like, will I be end up spending more on all these services to watch these different shows than I would have <laughs> if I was just paying for cable. Right. Yeah. I know that at the end of the day, we're going to, someone's going to sit down and do the math before it all releases and be like, you're cheap. It's going to be cheaper to do cable, but you know, what have you, I think it's safe to say that all of the TV talk podcasts are probably safe with content. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is a good time to be in the, uh, the after show discussion markets to be sure. Yeah. Uh, So let's go ahead and move on to John Favreau. So John Favreau, he was named the writer for this. Bo, what do you think about John being named as the writer slash creator of this uh, live action series? I am 100% all for this. Uh, John Favreau is a, you know, brilliant, brilliant creator, uh, has a, has a strong passion for star Wars. He's no stranger to the, uh, to the franchise. We actually saw him uh, being a, a voice actor of a significant, uh, significant character during the clone wars cartoon series. Um, and so not just a, a fan uh, and involved in, in Star Wars, but actually on the uh, I, I hate to even say Clone Wars is the fringes of Star Wars, but suffice to say, like in television media, let's say um, with the franchise. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. He's been known to launch some pretty uh, significant franchises like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe, for for example, uh, not to mention the work that he did on the Jungle Book um, and just how he took something that. Was you know I, I don't did y'all did y'all see the you know the the quotes live action Jungle Book? Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. You know, it's one of those things that I I remember. I don't remember if it was the trailer or the movie or maybe just a combination of both. But like, I never knew that I loved the Jungle Book. Like, I never knew <laughs> that I loved that cartoon. But seeing that movie, I remember like hearing that epic score. Like, all of a sudden, it created and pulled out of me this nostalgia that I had no earthly idea was actively there. And so Favreau has this talent for being able to get what really works and pull it out and tap into it and maybe unlock something in, you know, the, the, uh, the modern day viewer that maybe the viewer doesn't even know that it's there, it's buried. And so, yeah, I think, I think you could do far worse than Favreau. I think he's an excellent choice. Absolutely. Now, if you were to tell me this back when the first Daredevil movie was Uh... released that Jon Favreau was taking control, (laughs) I may be a little hesitant. Uh, but after what he has done so brilliantly with the Jungle Book and now the Lion King coming up and then him saying in that same review where uh, they talked to him about kind of the timeline where he's saying he's using the same type of technology that he used on both uh, the Jungle Book and the Lion King. I am all on board for this. Now, John, what about you? What do you think about John Favreau taking over? Uh, well, I think we covered a lot of it. Uh I- he had to cut his teeth somewhere. So if Daredevil was the <laughs> casualty, I'm okay with that because obviously, you know, everything that's followed has been pretty brilliant. And it really does seem like his strength in all of this is taking something that has strong thematic elements and just really figuring out how to kind of 
up the cool factor and just really kind of take them to a, a whole nother level. You know, like the jungle book, I think is a great example of something that is targeted more towards children um, and, and has kind of a, you know, a, a simplicity and an innocence to it. And he can take that and he can make a more mature, uh, more riveting, more compelling, just a, a deeper version of it. But stay true to the source material. And that's kind of the thing that star Wars needs more than anything right now. They, they struggle a little bit, even with the movies finding directors that really understand the, the tone and the sensibility of it. Um, but can stay true to that and make it modern and a little bit more engaging at the same time. Um, and I feel like he's really the right kind of mind to tackle a long form version of star Wars. So, uh, He's Disney's golden boy. He's proven. He's got all sorts of talent. It's not in question. I I can't see who they could have possibly chosen that would be better positioned to make a success out of this. I absolutely agree. And we all know that Solo came out a couple weeks ago in which he was a, a voice actor for. And also at the premiere, he let uh, he answered some questions regarding the live action Star Wars television series and said that it was going to take place seven years after the Battle of mm. Endor. Um, and he uh, told that to a reporter from The Nerdist and then Entertainment Weekly published an article on it. Uh, so seven years after the Battle of Endor. So, John, do you like this time period? I like it because we know very little about it. Uh, we've, we've seen it in books and comics and things like that, but we have never seen it really realized on the big screen or, you know, the small screen, same difference, I guess, at this point. Um, we haven't really seen it presented visually. Uh, so there's a, a lot there that they can play with that because it hasn't been explored. Uh, it opens up doors. They don't have to stick stylistically exactly to what we saw during the original trilogy or the pre original trilogy era where we have a very, um, sort of set in stone, visual style uh that that you kind of have to play within this is a bit of a new sandbox this is another era where they can kind of push the boundaries a little bit and so i i can't think of a better time period that you'd want to tell a star wars story in, unless you were really going to just jump back maybe a thousand years or something and go into the old republic this this is the era that i would like to know more about personally and what about you, Bo? Do you like this time period or do you want to go back that thousand years and talk <laughs> about the older Knights of the Old Republic? No, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Knights of the Old Republic, uh, great, great stories to be had there. And I think there's some, some high fantasy that you can get into the further, like, you know, the further back into the timeline you go. However, there's some much more like, you know, almost Western elements of uh, what's to come in, in this, in this era and do, and, you know, and lean into more of the sci-fi Western. Um, you know, I, I think that if, if you look at kind of the, the failure of the rebellion, um, was that they, well, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the success of the rebellion, uh, which, which would end up being later on the, the failure of the resistance is the rebellion was working to, um, out a, a political leader, but maintain a political system and a political structure, right? So like in, in the seven years that followed the uh, downfall of the emperor, the transition, the aftermath, if you will, uh, of kind of putting in this new regime or trying to get back into kind of the political structure that resembled something that existed in the old Republic, uh, you know, it was there. Like they had the framework, they had 
uh, veterans of the original Republic. They actually had people like Mon Mothma. They had folks that could actually come in and, and facilitate this role. And then you also had kind of this weird moment in time where all of a sudden, yay, the emperor is dead. But now we also have these kind of new systems coming into place that are utilizing the same systems the emperor used. So I can imagine that could kind of create a lot of resistance to even the Republic at the time. Um, you know, so I, I was actually, I was talking to somebody recently about uh, the the modern era that we live in and the kind of uh, post uh, awakens and with, with what ended up happening in that movie of not just, you know, a planet being destroyed, but literally the entire Republic, the entire new Republic uh, being wiped out. Uh, we, we live in a world in the further future where there is no government. Like even, even the first order isn't really a government yet. It's like this, you know, aggressive kind of oppressive system that's going to come in and, uh, and try to create police states throughout the galaxy. But even if the resistance wins, what do they actually win? They're like putting the the entire galaxy back into the wild west. And so it, it's, hmm. it's interesting that the further away that we get from the old Republic, the more and more we get into kind of the wild west again. And so this is going to be an interesting era to see some of the veterans of the galactic civil war trying to kind of switch position. Uh, almost in that kind of Hamilton-esque way of kind of the, you know, we've seen them at war, but now we're going to see uh, the wars in, in terms of just trying to establish peace or what that may even look like at that time. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. I agree with all of that. As long as they don't go into that microbiotic world that I heard about, <laughs> I am all for it. Uh, so I think that's the only way that they can mess this show up for me. But hey, at the end of the day, it's going to be Star Wars and I'm probably going to watch it and love every bit of it. So that's going to go ahead and lead us into some speculations. So, Bo, what do you think this show is going to be about? You know, I I would love, you know, we're, we're you know, as, as we record, you know, Solo is still in theaters. And despite the fact that it didn't perform as well as Disney wanted it to, it's a really solid movie. Like, it's a really good movie that takes place in, in kind of an area of the universe that we've never really seen explored in the big screen. And that's kind of on the outskirts. That's with kind of the outlaws and the rogues and, um, you know, having having the Han Solos and the Lando Calrissians of the world, like, team up and, you know, go up against these crime syndicates. You know, I can imagine now that the emperor, you know, now that the empire is no longer established, that perhaps a lot of these criminal syndicates feel like they are empowered in a new way, right? Like they might try to be controlling their own areas. So, you know, I like that kind of criminal elements, the criminal underworld of what's going on, the bounty hunters, the smugglers, uh, the crime bosses. I would love to see that at play. But at the same time, this is Star Wars. It is impo- It does seem like it's impossible for there to be a Star Wars series where there's not at least one Jedi somewhere. So there, even, even if you go that route, my guess is we'll have a Jedi involved. Gotcha. Now, John, do you think we're going to get a Jedi or what are your thoughts just in general on what this show is going to be about? Um, well, we have a general idea of kind of what Luke's trajectory was after Jedi, kind of where he set out to you know, gather relics and reestablish the Jedi order and all of that. So we know that that's going on in this time frame that the show is going to be set in. Are they going to cross paths with them? Maybe for a finale episode or something, you know, there'll be some fan service there. I don't think we're going to see too much of that. Are there some other lingering Jedi or force sensitive people throughout the the galaxy that uh, might be woven into the the show? Absolutely. There's there's always going to be some sort of a uh, spiritual or mystical element to any Star Wars property. Uh, so I'm sure that they're going to 
figure out some way to weave the force into this. Uh, but obviously since the Jedi as an order isn't really in existence at this point, we're not going to see, you know, any kind of established Jedi or, or any, I don't think it's going to be Jedi heavy. <laughs> I think it, it will have the force. I think we will see colorful characters. Uh, I just, I don't think that uh, Luke is going to necessarily be very prominent uh, except, you know, I, I think maybe, maybe just maybe he shows up and saves the day in a finale or something at some point. That's as much as I would assume they, they'd kind of cross paths with original trilogy characters. I think they're going to want to probably carve out uh, a whole new set of characters and a whole new set of circumstances that doesn't overlap too much with what we already know because it gets trickier to tell your story if you have to fit it around all sorts of events and individuals that are already kind of set you know where they have to be at certain times uh so i, I think it'll be a little more standalone-ish in that respect you know oh. and this just in i think samuel jackson's gonna be in this show not really, but that would, that would be, be exciting. That would be amazing. Be, you know, I always had this theory that, um, you know, what what if Palpatine collected the bodies of all the uh, Jedi that, that tried to attack him in his throne room and then, like, you know, cybernetically enhanced them and, like, reanimated them so that Vader would have to train against them, basically having to kill his <laughs> masters over and over and over again? I mean, that, was, that just seems like a very Palpatine, very, you know, Darth uh, Sidious uh, thing to do. But I, I want to throw a couple names out, though, because there there are some folks that existed in the pre-canon before it was kind of reset that have not been mentioned. And there's also kind of new characters that I think could also really fit really well into this era. And in terms of like, you know, the kind of MIA people that we haven't seen uh, since the, the canon reboot, um, how about how about Dash Rendar? How about Kyle Katarn? <laughs> you know, you talk about Kyle Katarn could be that that you know, smuggler, you know, Han Solo that ends up becoming more of a Luke Skywalker type character if they wanted to kind of sneak in that story there. But then you've also got kind of newer characters that have been, you know, developed in in uh, more recent times. So, you know, for example, uh, you know, very, very big fan favorite uh, Ahsoka Tano. Uh, you could also have, um, you know, Hera, uh, General. I think she's a general, if I'm not mistaken, at this point in, in the timeline. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. not to mention, if they wanted to, Thrawn is out there. Uh, they, they, you know, sure. Grand Admiral Thrawn, they, they, uh, brought him back into the canon recently with the Rebels cartoon series, uh, not to spoil anything, but suffice to say they, uh, they set him aside at the end of that series so that he could very well make a comeback in a big way. Um, you know, a lot of what's been discussed right now in, uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, expanded universe and, you know, um, with the books, with the comics is kind of the ideal of what's going on beyond the galaxy, right? Uh, beyond even the outer rim. So what, what we know might be more limited than we think. There may be threats out there that exist uh, that somebody like Thrawn could introduce us to. So anyway, I'm just want to throw all the, those names out, those characters as uh, hopeful, <laughs> hopeful people we might see involved in some form or fashion. Yeah, I love that theory of yours about uh, him keeping the bodies of all the people that tried to defeat him. Um, it's it's very cliche of you coming from a DC podcast to bring in something so dark into this <laughs> podcast. But, you know, hey, uh, no, it's whatever. That is, that, that's that so uh, very like, interesting. He, that's what he does, right? Like, for one thing, that's what we see the Sith do. They're constantly like, you know, oh, what, this this fell off. Let's jam an arm in here. Oh, let's jam a lung in here. Like, that's they're always constantly reutilizing bodies. And so, if they actually did that, and again, Forrest Vader 
to have to re-kill his masters over and over and over again as part of his own training and like conditioning to go out and, and slaughter Jedi. I could, that is that is textbook Sidious. I I'd put money on that being a reveal at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I'll take dark. that bet. <laughs> I don't yeah. see a uh, a zombie cyborg Kit Fisto showing up in but the new it series. Would be so. awesome. I'm not saying the new series. I'm just saying at some. Point. Oh, I'd I'd watch it. I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah, that would be great if they would do that and actually allow Kit Fisto to have you know a decent fight ahead of him instead of just dying within yeah. two seconds, <laughs> yeah, uh, just standing there and taking a lightsaber to the chest. So, uh, yeah. So originally, whenever they announced it, I'm thinking. So when they announced the show, I thought Knights of the Old Republic would be obvious. But then I started thinking maybe it's not so obvious. And they announced seven years after, and I'm thinking, ooh, are they going to recast classic characters? Is this is is this how Alden Ehrenreich's uh, contract is going to come into play? And then they pulled another one on us, and John Favreau announced that it's gonna it's gonna be around all new characters. Uh, so I think that's intriguing to me that that this is going to feature new characters. Uh, I do think that at some point we will get a force-wielding character that we have not met, or maybe they, you know, they finally cast Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker and they give us the Luke Skywalker we deserve as a young Luke. Um, but, you know, either way, uh, I'm definitely intrigued by this. Uh, so... Let's go ahead, Bo, and I want you to tell our listeners what you desire from this show as a fan. Yeah, man. I think when it comes down to it, um, you know, I, I want to see kind of a continuation of, you know, what, what we actually solved like with Solo, um, you know, seeing kind of that, that deep dive into the universe that we know that's very kind of true to form that takes risks and challenges and, and kind of, you know, does some interesting things with the lore, but also goes beyond what we know is comfortable. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a, a Jedi and a, and a Sith kind of standing opposed to one another. In fact, in that era with the Sith eradicated, it very much should not be that. Um, not until, you know, the, the resurgence of, of uh, Snoke and the, which they don't even, they're not even technically Sith. So anyway, all that to say, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like, I'm, I'm hopeful that this is going to be something familiar, but new, uh, and something very different, but the same. <laughs> so that, that is the, <laughs> that is the challenge. I think that everybody making anything in, in Star Wars right now has to, has to impossibly live up to. But the great thing is I, I always look at this with a lot, a large, uh, chunk of grace, man. Like, you know, I, I remember seeing the force awakens the first time I, I, People put seeing episode seven, that crawler, when it first appeared, it's, it's up there with, you know, seeing my wife walk down the aisle and becoming a father. Like it's, it's just, it was a big, almost religious experience for me. And so I'm, I'm loving this era that we're in. I'm very, you know, I'm very confident. Disney uh, has done some amazing things with, with the franchise. They've also done some things that, you know, could be seen as missteps. And, and I would also agree to some extent in, in some of those things, but one way or the other, they're, they're learning from uh, their mistakes. They're learning as they go. And I think they've done a fantastic job with other franchises, and I, I trust they will do a fantastic job with this as well. Yeah, and Bo, before you sign off, because you got to sign off a little bit early, uh, what is happening with this whole TV talk stuff? What is what is TV man? TV talk, talk is a uh, is an ever growing group of podcasts that have all kind of band together to uh, discuss our favorite television shows. I mean, much as the name implies, and so. 
Uh, you know, we've got Flash TV Talk, Supergirl TV Talk, Legends TV Talk. We've got a great uh, group of DC TV fan podcasts that are out there. But we also have Tolkien TV Talk with the new upcoming uh, Lord of the Rings series. And then, of course, now with you guys bringing Star Wars TV Talk into the mix, man, it's a, it's a great time to be in after show podcasting and discussion. But uh, what we love about the TV Talk uh, name brand is that, you know, you know when you're listening to a podcast with TV Talk in the name, you're getting, you know, professional level audio, you're getting good quality discussions, you're getting people that are looking forward to getting behind whatever the, the show or the property is to really geek out with you uh, and not, you know, not just get on and, and hate, hate, hate. That's there's too much hate <laughs> on the internet, man. And so we want to we want to put a, put together some positivity and talk about what we're passionate about. And uh, for us with uh, all the various TV talk podcasts, man, that's, that's the TV shows we know and love. So uh, man, you guys, y'all have got a, a great team here. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that you might be able to have me on again in the future. Cause I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking some star Wars with you guys. Oh, absolutely, man. I have a TV talk bucket list and that is <laughs> to be, uh, you know, to join on an episode of flash TV talk and then Tolkien TV talk. So that's my bucket list. I crossed off the first one and that was to have Bo York on star Wars TV talk. So thank you so much for coming along, man, and joining us on here. And anytime you want to, we have a mic for you here at Star Wars TV Thanks, Talk. Brother. There will never be a shortage of Star Wars to talk about. So <laughs> I, I think we can probably fit you in anytime hey, you man, want. That's good. Look, and I'd, I'd love to, too, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful, too, in, in coming episodes, we'll get a chance to talk about uh, some of the, the TV series that have come before and, and the way in which... You know, again, uh, Solo took a big step in the direction of validating uh, Star Wars TV. Um, you know, for the, I don't want to spoil anything for those that may not have seen it yet, but suffice to say, throughout that entire movie, there's references specifically to names, organizations, and things that are specific to the Clone Wars and Rebels cartoon shows. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. um, you know, the reveal, such as it is at the end of the movie, would not be possible if not for the cartoon shows. So, that's all I'll say about that, but I'd love to have a spoiler, uh, you know, a spoiler-filled discussion about that in the future with you guys. Because honestly, it's a it's an exciting time for uh, for the kind of the TV and movie universes to to really truly be seen as one. Absolutely. Well, thank you for right, joining guys. us, Bo. Yeah, it was a fun talk. All right, so John, let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about this. So Disney has tried to satisfy the original fan base while establishing a new fan base for star Wars productions. How do you think they're going to do that with this new series? Well, I don't like they've, they've attempted it. I I think that they're in the middle of kind of a big course correction. They've, they've seen a lot of backlash with the, the last Jedi and with solo, not doing the numbers that they were looking at. I think they're, realizing that maybe the franchise isn't kind of like an effortless <laughs> uh money maker and the the fans uh can be kind of split and and can be a little tricky to satisfy um so i i think there's going to be some reinvention i have a feeling what they're going to do is listen i i think that's going to be their strategy moving forward i i think they were just a little too confident that anything with star Wars on it was going to resonate with fans. And, and they're realizing that that isn't necessarily the case. Um, I don't think they're going to bow to any of the, uh, I don't know really even how you frame it, but there's people with a lot of unreasonable complaints about star Wars, about maybe the main characters being too female centric or it just being too inclusive, which <laughs> I think is ridiculous. I don't think Disney has any interest in pandering to those kind of fans. But the fans that recognize that 
um, Star Wars is a property that needs to be handled a little delicately, that it isn't just any other kind of superhero type of movie, that there is something special that they want preserved about it. They want it to have depth. They want it to be a little bit more grounded and have a bit more restraint and not quite go as over the top as you would with a superhero movie. I think those complaints are valid. And, and I think Lucasfilm is hearing that Um, as far as how this new show plays into that. I think the show is an experiment. It's live action, long form star Wars and figuring out how to adapt star Wars to work in that kind of a medium uh, is going to be a learning process. And so they're just going to have to be really smart and thoughtful uh, about how they, they use the medium. Um, what they can do with the stories now that they have more time to, to tell them uh, how they can enrich the stories using, you know, the, the added screen time, um, but also how they can stay true to the values and the themes and, and just the form of star Wars. That's the tricky balancing act. Um, but I think that they're now super conscious of wanting to really get that right. And I think John Favreau is the right guy to really walk that line. So I guess just to maybe sum it all up, I think they're going to tread lightly and really do their best to, to just, honor what the fans love about star Wars. And if they can pull that off, then I I think this is going to be a hit. Yeah. And I think it's safe for them to, uh, to go the route of the new characters because they're, I think that the biggest issue with solo was the expectations that this is a beloved character, that this is Han Solo, that, that this is a character that people literally grew up with that people saw uh, from early journeys to death. And so I think that so many people were hesitant to go and watch the film that, uh, that it, that it caused Disney to go back and look at, you know, okay, what, what are we, you know, how are we approaching this? Um, I, uh, I also think that there are some, valid arguments from from star wars fans uh, i sure. see a lot of stuff you know on the social media platforms where people are complaining and saying that the star wars fans are toxic to the future <laughs> of star wars um and i completely disagree with that but uh because the, i mean because there are some very valid arguments uh there are some very valid concerns uh, because this is something uh, Bo captured it best when he said that whenever he watched The Force Awakens, he had this feeling that was similar, you know, to uh, what he felt when he saw his wife walk down the aisle. It, it has that type of place in fans' hearts because it's been around for so long and been around in our lives forever. Sure. Uh, but the concerns about it being too female centric and the concerns about, uh, you know, there are a lot of valid concerns about Rose from Last Jedi, but the invalid ones are that she's a female and that she's Asian. Those are invalid <laughs> concerns. Sure. Uh, I can those agree are with you on that. Like, yeah. as, a, uh, as a character, she may not have made much sense in the larger context of the movie, but that has nothing to do with race or gender. Exactly. Yeah. And so those those are not those concerns uh, that Disney is going to be looking at, but maybe how the character uh, is written in the future um, and how characters will be written in the future. Uh, so I think that that this will be a series that features a lot of Easter eggs for fans. Uh, but I I don't know if it's really going to be. um uh, how's how does the how is to put this like main storyline of star wars like i think it's going to feature the uh it's going to be a story about 
people putting the uh, the pieces of the galaxy together after the empire falls and people figuring out where they uh where they are in the galaxy and how they fit into it sure. uh, i think that it could very well be underground centric where it's focusing on the criminal underworld of star wars which to me is one of the the greatest things of star wars because it's such a it's such an interesting thing and we haven't seen a lot of the criminal underworld uh so I, it may go back to the original plan for the live action series that George Lucas presented like 10 years ago when he said that he wanted to do a live action series called Star Wars Underworld. Right. Um, you know, it could be very similar to that. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think that that this will tread lightly on the old fans. I think that was I think that was very well put. Um, but I think it will, you know, it. it the future of business is establishing that new that new fan base and so i think it will uh i think they will do a better job with this because i think they've learned from solo and from the last jedi and i think episode nine is going to be phenomenal and i think that that this live action series is going to be phenomenal as well yeah here's hoping uh as long as there's a sincere reverence for what star wars is and what it should be then hopefully they'll they'll get it right um, and just to kind of bookend some of what you were touching on there, um, I think that Lucasfilm has gotten Star Wars right a lot more than they've got it wrong uh, in this modern era. Uh, a lot of people would disagree with that, you know, dating all the way back to Force Awakens, wondering if maybe doing that movie as kind of a beat for beat retelling of, of A New Hope was a, a smart way to reboot the franchise. Um, I I don't have many concerns over that kind of stuff. And even with the last Jedi, I don't have many concerns. I feel like there's been moments throughout pretty much everything that's happened in the Disney era of star Wars. That doesn't feel quite like star Wars to me, but Mm -hmm. if I'm being honest, there was probably moments in return of the Jedi that didn't feel like star Wars to people then, because even that tonally was a bit of a shift. And, you know, now in hindsight with (laughs) 30 years behind us or whatever, um, we can just take it for what it is and love what we love about it and not really stress too much over what we don't like about it. I think with enough time, we'll probably look back on most of what Disney's done since 2012 and probably have a similar feeling. Like it's just all star Wars at that point. We're not really nitpicking tonally. If everything just absolutely gels with what our preconceived idea of what star Wars should be was. Um, So I I think we just need some distance and time. We've had a lot of star Wars thrown at us. And once one movie kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth, then everything that follows is judged a little more harshly. Um, so I, I think it's good that we're going to have probably a solid year before we yeah. see much of anything new in the Star Wars universe, at least on the screen. And uh, I, I think that's really going to help fans have a little bit of perspective um, and just accept sort of the new era for what it is and what it isn't. So if they can keep the quality high, um, tell stories that are compelling and that are true to what you know star wars needs to be as far as just fun swashbuckling stories with uh you know some spiritual underpinning if they can kind of keep all that intact uh i think the fans will come around i I think it's just a particularly weird time (laughs) across the board uh in in pop culture and just you know in society in general I, i think it's just a really weird time and and star wars doesn't necessarily fit with how odd (laughs) uh people feel on so many fronts um 
So I, I would just give it a little bit of time and I, I think there'll be more affection built for what's happened and what's going to continue to be released. Uh, at least yeah. that's my hope. Yeah. And, and my, my desires for this show is, you know, I want the biggest thing I want it to feel like it fits into the star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want it to feel like it is connected to the greater star Wars story, whether or not it's that centric of the greater star Wars story, but if they do it right and they fit it into what's happening in the galaxy, it will feel like it belongs in the story. And that's what I want. I want it to, I want it to have a place to where when you're watching it, uh, similar to what rogue one did where that now has a place in star Wars canon for me, because Mm -hmm. it, uh, even though it wasn't centric on classic characters, it fit in with what's happening in the universe and what is, uh, overall the leadership and what's going on. And so I'm, I'm very curious to how they're going to fit this in seven years after the battle of Endor. We've seen, uh, some hints of this. Uh, if you played battlefront two, right. that was one of the things that a lot of fans had, ha- uh, were concerned about and still are. And I think that even Lucas film and Lucas arts are listening to fans with that, because I think it was their doing that we're getting these new, additions to battlefront two that we're getting some more classic characters being added in, in the future. Uh, you know, for example, like adding the clone war stuff in there, uh, here and there and a couple uploads, uh, or updates. I think that that is a response to what fans were wanting mm-hmm. and some of the complaints that they had about the cryptocurrency. Those things have changed since the beta. So, uh, so I think that they listen and I think that they, they, they're still moving forward on their vision and, but they're, they're listening a little bit, uh, closer to fans. And so I, I hope that that's what this show does. I would like to see some classic characters appear, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to base my love on the show, uh, based on that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it'd so, be, it would be wrong to go into it with any specific expectations because then they may do something more creative and just genuinely more artistic and better than maybe what we conceive. But because we were already hung up on what we were hoping to see, we don't really appreciate it or enjoy it as much as we could. So sometimes it is good to just kind of clear, clear your palate or cleanse your palate, so to speak, and just kind of go into it fresh and just let it be what it's going to be. Um, that's how I'm planning on tackling it. And I, I have a feeling that I'll enjoy it a lot more if I'm not waiting for the episode where Chewbacca shows up, right? Like if that's always yeah. in the back of my mind or something along those lines, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. New characters, right. new corner of the galaxy. This is the post empire um, sort of the last vestiges are, are being um, kind of booted out <laughs> into the uh, unknown region. So there's, there's, there is some fervent, unrest still in the galaxy that is going to kind of ripple through the show. And that's going to make for some good drama, whatever that turns out to be. I'm just excited to see it. Yeah. So do you have any, uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, just this thing is a year more off (laughs) and, uh, uh, there's still a lot of time for them to figure out really what it is just because John Favreau is penning scripts. Doesn't mean that anything is set in stone. Um, he's working closely with the story group. So they're going to be trying to make this um, dovetail nicely into all of the other media that they're going to be producing over the next few years for the the same basic era so that everything sort of connects and lines up. So this is still very much evolving and in flux, and there's just no way to know at this point really what to expect. So I'm just 
I'm just going to sit back and, and, uh, you know, count down the days, (laughs) wait, wait for news to trickle out and, uh, hope that it, it comes together in a way that really looks like they've got a good beat on what the show needs to be. Absolutely. And I think that my biggest advice to any Star Wars fan is to just sit back and enjoy the ride. Uh, you know, you may not like everything. There are, there were a few things that I didn't like in The Last Jedi and in Force Awakens and in Solo and in Rogue One. In every movie, every single Star Wars property, there have been things that I didn't like. But that doesn't ruin it for me. Um, and I think that sometimes we as Star Wars fans get so caught up in they need to service <laughs> me. They need to write to me. They need to create this for me. <laughs> Um, and I think that that does it a disservice because we could like, even though we want or my, I myself wants a Luke centric TV show starring Sebastian Stan, I'm not going to get that. And if I am so caught up in that and that's what I want and they don't give me that and I'm sitting back and like, well, I'm not watching it then, then I may miss a beautiful story that's being told because I'm so close minded sure. to what I want. Yep. Uh, and I think that that's sometimes what we as fans do is we just we have this this closed mindedness where we won't watch something if it doesn't if and if every episode is not, you know, servicing our needs or our desires, not even needs. But right. Yeah. So that's my <laughs> biggest advice. Yeah. Uh, is just sit back and enjoy it because you can enjoy uh, stuff and everything. Uh, you can enjoy things in the last if you absolutely hated The Last Jedi, you can still enjoy things in there. I, I feel like some of the greatest Star Wars moments uh, were in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, so you can do that. Uh, you can look back and watch episode one and hate Jar Jar Binks, but still love some of the moments in there. Like Darth Maul igniting that lightsaber is to me one of the greatest Star Wars moments. So you can we can enjoy these things as fans um, and still have our criticisms, but we can still enjoy the ride as it goes. Absolutely. We made it through the Phantom Menace. I think we can move forward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I feel like the Star Wars fandom has already been sort of like tried by fire, right? It, there have been a lot of polarizing movies that have turned people off and they still come back. Because by and large, everyone just understands that Star Wars is a good time. If you can take it on its terms, there's a lot here to enjoy. And uh, I, I think we're just in for a, another <laughs> uh, kind of a, another wave of that, uh, you know, 2019 and beyond as, as the TV show ramps up and the next run of movies start to uh, drop. So, yeah, lots on the horizon. Uh, hopefully we can just all go into it with a uh, like ready and... Uh, positive attitude if we can pull that off then yeah a lot of fun to be had yeah and john i hear that you host another podcast do you want to tell our listeners about that i certainly can uh i produce the saturday night live after party podcast we review recap dig deep on all of the latest episodes of saturday night live when it's in season then in the off season like throughout the summer we uh, look back on vintage episodes and you know do some other snl related stuff uh that's basically the long and short of it. We, uh, we try to take an affectionate look at it. It's not a, a hate watch cast. SNL is another one of those shows that can be very polarizing. People love to pick it apart and figure out every little thing that they do different. We don't really tackle it from that standpoint. We like to look at the structure of sketch comedy, what makes good writing and good comedy and, uh, applaud the show when it pulls it off and recognize the, um, the, the insane amount of effort that goes into the show 
uh, just to get it live on air, even when it isn't working at its best. So uh, we love the show and uh, we try to do justice to it and, and kind of create a little time capsule for posterity through our podcast. And that's, uh, that's what I'll be doing in the fall when uh, season 44 of that show picks back up. Yeah. And I, uh, one of the things that I love about that, uh, that, that show that you do is, uh, is what we were kind of talking about. And one of the reasons that I'm stoked to have you on this episode or on this show is that you have fun with the show and you enjoy it and you bring a positive light, but you still bring some valid criticism. Sure. You have to. Um, (laughs) and so, but you don't bring invalid criticisms. Uh, you don't nitpick someone because they're a female or because (laughs) of their race. Uh, and so that's, uh, as a fan, that's how we get through these things is we have these valid criticisms. We make our voices heard, um, and we see what the property does with it. And, uh, and so, you know, I love what you guys are doing down there at SNL after party. Um, and yeah, other than that, I think that about does it for this episode. Yeah. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes for every 10 iTunes reviews. We give away some awesome star Wars merchandise. Are people going to die? Please check out our website, www.starwarstvtalk.com, and follow our show on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars TV Talk. And please give Laid Wogan a follow on SoundCloud for providing this awesome intro and outro music. That is L A D E W O J N. Lastly, Star Wars and all the characters discussed are owned by Lucasfilm and are protected by their respective copyright laws. Thank you so much, and until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.